Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey guys, just a quick message before you start listening to this podcast. Did you know that all of our Red Men Plus content also comes in podcast form? Not only do you get access to all the videos, you also get access to all of our podcasts too. They will download directly into your native app so you can get them on the go. So don't miss out on any more Red Men content. Sign up at redmenplus.com and like I say, get all of these amazing podcasts directly into your device. Right, I hope you enjoy this show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Redmen TV podcast. Steve Hall here with Ross Chanley and Chris Pajak to discuss, well, what's coming up in the pool. They're about to play a semi-competitive game at the end of this week and then obviously we're building up towards the season as well. Cannot wait to get... How are you feeling? Good? Yeah. Hmm. Welcome. Ready for it. Excited? I am, yeah, me too, me too. I'm looking forward to this Community Shield. Right then, before we even begin talking about all the stuff, including the kickoff question, our burning questions as well, the topics that are on our mind heading into the season, as well as looking at the transfer business of all top six sides and seeing who's had the best and who's had the worst windows. Going to take you to a quick message from our sponsor. Now listen, if you're listening to this podcast now, do go over and check the YouTube channel out later to see possibly the best ad read we've ever done. If you're watching on YouTube, well, you're in for a treat. Check this out. The Redmen TV's acclaimed documentary series, Hendo 10 Years of Red, has now been transformed into a podcast series. Sign up at redmenplus.com to listen and, like all of our shows, you'll be able to stream it in your usual podcast apps. Here's what you can expect from Hendo 10 Years of Red. The first game he ever went to there, I remember taking him down. Uh, I think he was six or six and a half. He hated us for this, but within a few minutes he just broke down. Uh, crying because he didn't know where to play, he'd never played before. Look, I think when you when you sign for Liverpool and you come out of your city, i.e. Sunderland, at such a young age, you're going to have your moments and you're going to have times where you need some support and it's not really working out. What you noticed straight away was sort of the personality, the character of, of the player as well was pretty good and pretty special. So you knew he'd have half a chance because of that. When I first went and trained with him, like he blew me away how good he was technically. And that, I was kind of like, whoa, I didn't realise he could like, play like that or he, he could do that. He's brilliant in small spaces. He's absolutely brilliant footballer. So that's yeah, why we play him in such decisive positions like six and other, and other things. He takes his responsibility of wearing that captain's armband for Liverpool Football Club incredibly seriously. For me to present it to Jordan was a, was a huge honour for me. To give a special trophy to a special guy that a special football club is. It doesn't get much better, does it? Wow. 
you're the best. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love you so much. Yeah, audio listeners, if you haven't checked out, do go and check the YouTube video out. It's Raid Shadow Legends. Do uh, click the link in the description if you want to play along. Go and watch the video and listen. Chris explains it more than I could ever. You have to get your head around the game and it feels like you've, you've done a good job. Yeah, yeah, I've been playing it for a few weeks. So I'm, yes, <laughs> I have. It, it was a little bit Brian Blessed, I thought. I, thought, I, thought, I don't I know like, who that is. Gordon's alive, that guy. Flash Gordon. No? No. Okay. It's a matter of time before you get called up to do CBB's bedtime story. I'd love I, to do I, that, I, you know. I would be there for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm 33, but I would watch that. <laughs> Very much like my missus. But, my missus yeah. tunes into the Tom Hardy one. You'd have, uh, you'd yeah. have Everyone, I mean, I think we've got that recorded on our skybox from when the kids were young. Like You'd have the housewives of, of, the, of Europe tuning in to listen to your voice before bed. I don't know. That's fine. <laughs> I, I do this for story times at night, though. I, yeah, do, I, I play the characters. Like, I can imagine yeah. you would, yeah. I can imagine you would, yeah. We've had, uh, had a few people, so... Um, Mike says, uh, sorry, Mike, Mika says you really should be a dungeon master, which I, yeah, I tend to agree with you. Everyone loves this. So yeah, do Cabinet is really, aren't you? Hey. You're a, you're a special man, Chris. And I, love you for <laughs> it. I absolutely love you for it. Right, Luke let's Gordon get... got it right. I was channeling me in, in a Gandalf. You know, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> That's yes. exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Right, let's, let's do our kickoff question. And it's actually football related, this one. We don't always do footy related ones. Um, if you want some non-football chat, we're recording podcast extra later today uh, over on Red Men Plus and yeah. That's where we can talk about things that maybe we can't talk about here, but we can talk about footy on this one. I'll be honest, guys. I, I, Ross put the tweet out for social questions, for kickoff questions, and the replies aren't good. <laughs> you need to do better, is what Steve's saying. Yeah. I don't like. Are we going to sign him in field? I don't know. We've answered that a yeah, billion times. In fact, we've got a conversation. No, so I asked in the office, and Jimmy, who makes the fantastic graphics that you've seen around the place, thumbnails and all that, he came up with a good one. He's actually getting into footy now, which is awesome. When he started, he didn't have a clue. Now he's he's kind of into it. Um, there's a side story. There's a very there's a video of him at the end of season awards. That's again that streamer on Plus now. And we're all singing the na 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 na, and out of nowhere he's just he's just dead shy. He just starts going off on it. So I think we've got him. And this question made me think that he says, Chris, Billy Hogan recently said Liverpool will be willing to sell the name and rights to the new Anfield Road stand. Um, so if you could pick any brand to sponsor that stand, who would you pick and why? I have no idea. Okay, I like the name Anfield. Yeah. So. I think the Irish post is called AN Post. So if they drop the post bit and just called it an, but it could it could, still, it, could be, it could be the something Anfield Road stand. Yeah, well, know, you know. I, like Heinz Field makes sense. Like that's just something that's synonymous a brand with a field. Obviously, that's ending now anyway over in America. But if we could just go with an field. By AN Post, that would be great. The <laughs> AN Field stand. <laughs> Fudge that one a bit. Can I go? For, can I go next? Okay, I've got two, but go I'm going to go with. No, the I mean, oh, sorry, I thought stadium. No stand. stand. Okay, the, the, the yeah, new okay, stand. Now, I want to go for the Hoof GP stand. Okay, I love the Hoof GP. It's my favourite YouTube video. It's it's amazing. I'm all oh, in. I've spoken. What I've spoken. It's not hot. It's cows. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah, it's a YouTube channel. In fact, go and, it's after you've watched this, go and check out the Hoof GP. I'm not get no money for this. It's basically a fella who like he cuts the the hooves of of cars and donkeys and stuff and like yeah I love it it's disgusting it's vile it's, it's coming up all over our Red Men YouTube page now I keep watching it it's terrible it's disgusting like, I get he's about cu- he's cutting a minute like, in it's he's, horrible he's, he's, he's cutting the food next week like a, like a like a, an abscess or burst and just all green and stuff it's absolutely disgusting it's wrong with you don't do it to yourself I'll, no, he's, he's, these poor cows are in trouble and he saves them and his voice is really soothing like Chris's doom shadow raid He's more. He's like. He's got like a, a, a delicate Scottish tone. It's quite relaxed. You no, know, some people are into like um, those pimple pop videos. I find that gross. 
but I, but I can get in. I can get involved in the. Um, What's the difference? Was people squeezing spots? That's oh right, right. Yeah, 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 and obsessing the foot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, it's yeah. a completely <laughs> different trash, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I'm going for the the hoof GP stand. <laughs> well, if you can get to pick anyone, the Redmen Plus stand. Obviously, why can't why can't we sponsor it? We haven't got the money. What? We haven't got the money. Yeah, sign up to Redmen Plus. <laughs> if all 492,000 of you YouTube subscribers sign up, we'll sponsor the new stand. If everyone here joins as a club legend, we'll sponsor that new stand for you. We need someone with loads of money. That's also a Liverpool legend, like Steven Gerrard, to stand, sponsor the stand himself. Yeah. Yeah. His water sponsor. No, just the Steven Bush, Gerrard stand. I was going to say, Steven Gerrard's endorsement on products hasn't gone particularly great over the last few years, so... The only other one you could have is the only fan stand, because it rolls off the tongue. And, and it's full of fans. And, and it's actually part of the way end, so you can say the way end's getting dicked. Ashley Proctor literally wrote the, 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 the only fan stand, as you oh, said. Oh, It's great minds. You, you and Ashley, yeah. yeah. Chris, Mike, he says... And just means the in Irish, the stand. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the the stand. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> I'm not the hoof GP. The only fans or the the stand is what we've done. If you're, <laughs> if you're not watching live, do use the comment section below on YouTube or tweet us in after Redman TV and let us know what you would like the new stand to be called. If it was a sponsor, not naming after a person, it needs to be a sponsor. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, we can't. We've got. We've only got a stand named after someone, like the Kenny stand. We, I don't think we're going to no more, are we? I don't think so. Jack and the Everwood. Not if they're not getting paid. Kenny didn't pay. No, I don't think Kenny sponsored the stand. Not if they're not getting paid, they yeah. won't have any more. Yeah, someone's they'll just to... do it by paying. I mean, they're getting ten million a year for a sleeve sponsor. I imagine you're going to get much more for a stand. Fill your boots. Fill your boots. Right then, let's crack on with topic one. I call this burning questions. The overall title of this podcast is Are We Ready? Are we ready for the new season? I think it's fair to say even every club in the world, Ross, will have something going into the season where they're unsure about. Liverpool have actually got fewer question marks than most teams in Europe. There's one or two. Even the greatest sides, you know, the champions of Europe have got question marks. The, t- the Premier League champions have got question marks. So, yeah, we're going to have a little chat uh, about... Uh, each of us have picked one question. Each of us going to discuss it through. In fact, Chris, I'll start with yours. So, um, what is your burning question about Liverpool going into this new season? OK, can Darwin Nunes replace the loss of Sadio Mane? It's my burning question. What are your thoughts on it? That's they're big. They're big shoes to fill. Yeah, yeah. I think yesterday when you texted us the question back, you threw Louis Diaz in there, but I don't really agree with that because he was already there yeah. and he'd already taken that left wing spot. So for me, Mane was playing as the number nine at the back end of the season. He got into incredible form, scored loads of goals, and he still had that versatility to play elsewhere. Um, Diaz needs to improve. In terms of goal return yeah. and impact on the pitch, you know, he was playing really, really well, of course. He goes into this season with loads and loads of confidence. But the Darwin Nunes question is where I think Liverpool's season is either victorious or not. If Darwin Nunes can't adequately replace the goals that Mane was scoring at the end of the season, then Liverpool will not win the title this season. And for me, that's the only question. Because we're... I think, and I've said this all, all summer long, right now we're a worse side than we were at the end of last season because we've lost one world-class player and we've brought in a player who's very, very good, who clearly has done really well, but we know that new signings don't always work out. So, 
it's just it's a guessing game when it comes to is he going to replace him. I've said all season long I think he's going to get fifteen to twenty or twenty to twenty five goals. If he does that, that is adequately replacing Sadio Mane for me. But it's a big if. Yeah, I suppose Ross. What what you could have done and, and a few <coughs> weeks ago when Jota was fit and firing, the argument was well. You can stick Luis Diaz on the left, get Diogo Jota up front. And if Diogo Jota has the start of the season that he's kind of had at the start of last season, um, right right through pretty much up until maybe the, the Carabao Cup semi-final around that, that period when he was on fire, that would have negated Darwin Nunes having to come in and, and smash it, basically. But we don't even know where Jota's at yet. He hasn't trained. He's, he got an injury in pre-season. I'd be shocked if he's ready for Fulham at this point. So it could have been, well, if Luis Diaz steps up and Jota carries on as he was doing before the injury, we, we could have been sound, but now we, we've lost that. I don't know what call it, like the, the safety net of, of that. It, it isn't here now. It's the, it is the Darwin Nunes show until Jota's fit and fire, and so Chris is right. If, jo, if, if, if Nunes is what all the fans on social media of other teams are calling them in, after two friendlies, Liverpool are in banging trouble. If Darwin Nunes is the player Liverpool think they've signed and who banged them in for Benfica, we're right in the mix. Yeah, the pressure's on him from the kickoff, like you said, but that doesn't mean that the whole season relies on Darwin Nunes for me to, to replace Adam and Diaz, to, to, to Chris's point, you know, Bobby Firmino, you can put in that mix as well. And then we spoke about him yesterday in terms of what he, what he can do and bring back. Maybe he's not going to get the goals that you expect from a, an out-and-out striker that's the, that's in, the in, in Darwin, Darwin Nunes. But I think, you need to, I think you need to share the load. And I think what we saw at the start of last season was Harvey Elliott getting into the box a lot more. We're probably going to see that from Carvalho as well. So is it just all on Darwin Nunes to replace the goals of Asadio Mane and the output of Asadio Mane when it shouldn't be? It should be Diaz, it should be Nunes, it should be Jota, it should be Bobby, Carvalho, Harvey Elliott, everyone else in, in midfield kind of, of sharing that load. It's gonna. It's just hard because Mane's been there for so long and it feels like we don't know any different. Obviously, when he came in, he was kind of like that, that first linchpin into our success. Jürgen Klopp and then he gets moved and Salah comes in we have great success with all of them but things have to move and the pressure's on Darwin Nunes not because he's trying to play Sadio Mane it's because he's constantly compared to Haaland yep. and that's what that might that's what might kind of undo him or put more pressure on him because it started as soon as, as soon as we bought him or as soon as City bought Haaland like Liverpool need to go out and buy a, you know, a, a statement sign. Liverpool don't need to go out a statement sign. Liverpool need to carry on doing what they're doing and do their own recruitment, not based on what someone else is doing. It's someone who's going to fit the team and we might see something different formation or tactics-wise that will help suit him and get him into, into, the, into get some goals. My, 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 like my fears come from, I suppose, if we're playing more with an out-and-out striker, what does that do to Salah's goals? Like, you know, what we've seen in pre-season is it's not doesn't seem to be affecting him too much so far. But, you know, if we are playing an out-and-out number nine, the Salah's goals decrease. And and that's their fears. They're, they're, I'm looking across at Manchester City thinking how good they were last season, how, how brilliant they were, how brilliant we were as well. But for me, for them, it's, it's, it's a much lower risk signing in Haaland. You know, they clearly, I think, needed someone who can bang 30 goals a season in. You know, they were getting it from other areas of the team, but I think he'll just go in and, and guarantee them 25 goals this season, Haaland, if he stays fit. Yeah. I think there's a question mark over whether Nunes can do it in the Premier League. And I don't think, even though Haaland's ever played in the Premier League, that he's actually had that got that question mark. I just think he was a tier above 
unfortunately for us. Now, that's not to say that Darwin Nunes can't get to that tier or his, his ceiling might be exactly the same point as, as Haaland's, but he just seemed more ready, Haaland, yeah, than, than Darwin Nunes. Yeah. yeah, so my fears are obviously all based around that. What does it do to the front three? How does Diaz and Salah work with Darwin Nunes and how many goals do they score between the three of them? Because you're right, Firmino's goal return and you know what he can do to the side is good enough to sustain a title challenge and win a title. But is it good enough this season? Yeah, I suppose that on the flip side is when we're saying questions, it doesn't always be negative. There's a positive to this as well, is that we could get, we could be better. Like yeah, we could, if, yeah, if, absolutely. If, there's, a, yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a world where Darwin Nunes or Jota or Bobby Firmino without Sadio Mane, Luis Diaz steps up and maybe get, gets a few as well. There is a world where it works out. Again, it's, it's hard to say this now because... Well, Sadio Mane is a Liverpool legend, and he, he's he's he always will be. But like the, 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 that's the exciting thing, isn't it, Chris? Like we're saying, questions, questions can be. It doesn't have to be bad; they can be good. Like Darwin Nunes could be. He could score, you know, four goals like he did the other day. You know, and everyone's like, "Wow, this lad!" How important do you think his start is? I, I, I was always w- wondering, would he start against Fulham? The more I think about it, Touchwood, he, he survives the next couple of friendlies and whatever. But if he's fit for it, my guess is now he probably will just throw him in. Um, how important do you think is it for the, is, is there a lot of pressure on that game already? Because I think we saw this with Peter Krause didn't we the longer it goes on and talking to, and that was an extreme case. But I think there could be a bit of pressure to get that early goal, get that monkey off his back. Yeah, I don't think the pressure really builds personally until game four. Okay. Game four, something like that, where you that you know, the first games are free it, I think, you know, maybe it comes second game or whatever, who knows, depending on Liverpool's results. But in that first game, it is important nonetheless. I don't think the pressure's there, but it's important for him to hit the ground running. Yeah. He'll feel like he needs to do that. He'll feel like he needs to be a part of this squad. And to be a part of this squad, you need to put yourself on the level that the people that you're playing with, you know, whether it's an assist. Um, for a Louis Diaz or a Mo Salah goal or whether it's yeah. winning a penalty you know you can do it via different ways than just scoring goals but he needs to be a part of things and play, well. and play well and we need to see a plan you know what we've seen so far in the in the pre-season games is Liverpool are going a little bit direct a little bit earlier and we've always done that we've always mixed it up really well but the ball over the top to Darwin Nunes is a bit of a game changer from what I've seen in pre-season Liverpool haven't tended to do that early doors in games uh, all the time and so consistently focused you know you think of that ball by you know Virgil van Dijk spreading them over the top chance knocking them from real deep and we've got a genuine runner in behind you know you don't normally see that with like a Bobby Firmino or a Jota or um, Sadio Mane playing in that number nine position so things are going to change things are going to take a little bit of time to get used to you know it's probably not going to be I would guess probably right before the break for the World Cup where Liverpool really become themselves and who they're going to be for the rest of the season. It might actually come at a bad time for us um, or it might give us a little bit of extra time to work on it. So it, it the, the, the first portion of this season, I think if Liverpool want to win the league, he has to hit the ground running yeah. because we're not going to be our best until we come back and it could be too late by then. Ross, can I jump in on the replacing Manny things interesting because... we. we you're always you're, we're all clouded a little bit by recency bias because the last time we saw of Sadio Mane playing for Liverpool, he was a centre forward. The first half of the season, he was a left winger. Liverpool signed a left winger in January. Like Luis Diaz, I thought he had a very good start to his Liverpool career, but I think we'd all agree the numbers weren't what you'd want. They weren't they weren't what we would expect from Liverpool wide players. Usually, if if Sadio Mane was providing such numbers, everyone'd be like, "What's happened to Sadio?" You know what I mean? Like they were, they were good. He was fine, and he had good moments in games, but like. He's also now got a responsibility as need to step up and say, right, you've settled in really well. The pace is frightening. You're clearly amazingly talented. 
a few of those ones that were written in the post but wouldn't mind a few of those going in now, Lewis. I think that should be it's fair to say. Yeah, just to just to finish off on Chris's point there as well. I think I think the pressure's relieved on Darwin as Liverpool are getting results. I, I agree yeah, it's yeah. the fourth game, but like if Liverpool don't start getting points <laughs> on the board, the pressure's then gonna pile up on him because we're expecting him to score the goals. But on the on the Luis Diaz stuff, I think he I think he was just so exciting to watch. He was so explosive when when he came on. And I don't think I think we we're in a period in, in January where I didn't think we anyone thought we were gonna buy him. But I think it was kind of like a catalyst to kind of pushing us on towards title charge and everything else, all, all the finals that we got to. So that was really good. And I think he's still an unknown quantity for defenders, whereas Manny was the opposite to that. There's no reason why Darwin Nunes can't be that. You know, you mentioned before about, you know, what's it do to sell his goals? It could create more space for him. Could you yeah. know, if the defenders go and put out another six foot laddie who's, who's, you know, played Liverpool for the past four years. Well, Bobby Firmino's normally kind of like between the, the centre circle and dropping a bit deeper. This guy's like in the box. What does that do? You know, there's, there's, there's plus points, and then you get extra runs from the field that can go and help as well. But Diaz needs to start contributing, and there's no reason that I don't see that he can't. We, we, we're worrying about Dunez, Nunes hitting the ground running, but Diaz will be had a pre-season under Liverpool. He'll yep. be a lot more settled. He'll have more surroundings. You know, he's got more South American um, players around. He's fishing with them at the minute. To, to help them all settle <laughs> in. So all these things contribute and help. And then he never had that kind of tactical awareness of what we wanted. It was kind of like, just go and be yourself. Yeah, I can say that too. Yeah, just go, go and play, go and be yourself, go and enjoy yourself. Whereas now, we might see the benefits of him having a pre-season because he'll have those instructions under his belt. I think the thing I find difficult at this time of year specifically, especially when it's something so big like this, is this is the first time Liverpool have replaced the first teamer. And with the greatest of respect to Genie Wijnaldum, he was a first teamer, but we'd replaced him with a world-class player who I had no trouble thinking he's going to fit in. Now, it took a little bit more time because of the injuries with Thiago and everything else, but he proved that he was the right guy to take over that mantle. I think it's slightly different this time around in you losing one of the best three players, four or five players in the world, and you're replacing him with someone who's young and hasn't been there and done it in top leagues before or, or won those major major honours. So I think that's a slight difference it's actually the first time Jürgen's going to have to have gone through this with this Liverpool side. That's where my fears come from. And I find it really difficult, I think, again, at this time of year to speak hard and fast on what's going to happen. As I, I, you know, watch a lot of YouTubers and listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff, and the hosts always seem to find it dead easy to say this is what's going to happen. I don't think it's quite as black and white as that. I think, you know, some people, I think that Darwin Nunes is going to score 20 to 25 goals. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen. You know, it's just as likely that he doesn't score those goals. And just because I think it doesn't mean it's based from, you know, well, I've watched 400 of his games and this is how he's going to... And I know exactly, because you don't know how Liverpool are going to integrate it. We still don't know what system it's going to be. And so it's natural, I think, to have fears at this time of year. Like, some people don't have them. Fine, Brilliant. In fact, I'd rather be one of you. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd really <laughs> rather be one of those guys, but I can't help having a fear about it. The opposite end of that scale is people like on, on social media say Liverpool don't buy a midfielder. We're not going to win anything. We can't. Like, you're speaking in facts, aren't you? I mean, it's impossible to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to Diaz as well. By the way, it was six. It was sorry. It was a uh, twenty-six total appearances, six goals, four assists, which isn't horrendous. Actually, you know, t- ten goal contributions in twenty-six games. But if he's going to play 50-odd games, you probably Liverpool, I know it's mad, like, he probably got more than 20 goals and assists combined, don't you, Chris, from that position? Yeah. And, and, and Diaz, I believe, I like Ross has just said, I completely agree with what he said there, he's in a better situation this time around. Yeah. And so I don't think it's as much of a leap to say 
he's going to drastically improve. I feel comfortable putting my neck on the line and saying that because of everything Ross mentioned the pre-season. He knows everybody a little bit better. He'll have had time to actually discuss tactics and where he's supposed to be and, and stuff like that. But these are the things that I think sometimes when, we, when we're talking about replacing Sadio Mane, and we're talking about Louis Diaz or, or Darwin Nunes, it's not all goals and assists. Yeah. Like, you, you drop Firmino out, and the front three lose something. They might gain more goals, but maybe we're not quite as defensively solid. You know, Sadio Mane knew this system like the back of his hand and was able to play left wing, right wing, and centre forward at a world class level. There ain't many players in world football that can play left, right, and centre forward at an absolute world class level. Yeah. Right. And we brought one in to replace him through the centre, which is good. You're not asking him to do all three, but is he as good at the dirty side of the football as what Mane was for us? Because actually when you get into the later round of the competitions and when you get into the tougher games, you you almost need that as much as you need the goals. Yeah, I... I I'm, that bit I'm alright. I thought I thought Diaz did a lot of that. It was it was the. I'm talking Nunes. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm happy with, I'm, I'm happy Diaz can do that. I agree with Nunes. We'll we'll see how that one pans out. But yeah, just soon get found out though if you don't do that. He's tracking back and stuff like that. Well, he won't that, be in the yeah. team. Well, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he won't be playing. Um, right then, so yeah, that's Chris's question: Is Darwin Nunes good enough to replace the loss of Sadio Mane? Ross, your burning question, and I feel like I know I know what it is, and I think yeah. we're going to open a can of worms here. Yeah, um, well, it's one that's been doing the rounds on socials for most of the summer, to be honest. Is it Liverpool's midfield depth, um, and I'll, I'll say slash quality in there, enough for Liverpool to compete for all major honours? Now, I'm in two minds on this one, because it's even going positive, I think, what, have we added car value into that midfield? Uh, whether he's going to play there or not since the summer? And yet we're going to gain Harvey Elliott for a lot more games of football. Touch wood, he won't, he, he won't get injured. So therefore, our midfield is arguably in a better place than it was last summer. There, and I don't think we'd have played as many games as we did last season. I've said this yesterday. I just don't. I just you know you have to rely on the look of the draw in some competitions. Where Liverpool, another question, but Liverpool will maybe prioritise the FA Cup and the League Cup a bit more now that we're defending them. Might ask questions about actually going. I'm not saying I'm going to do that over the Premier League and Champions League, but it might make them think a little bit more. Um, that's me. That's me positive side. But again, with everybody else, it's just question marks over. You know, can Kate stay fit? Can Oxley Chamberlain stay fit? You know, is Javier going to be okay? Is Thiago, can Thiago stay fit? Can Henderson stay fit? And all, all these other things. But then I'm mitigating that myself by the fact that there's five substitutes. So five subs allows you to get the most out of your midfield. I know it's the engine room of what we do. We run people into the ground and stuff. But I also just think, like, listen, Thiago doesn't have to play. 80, 90 minutes every single week. He doesn't have to do that. I know those people don't like Oxley Chamberlain, but I said this you know, again in our WhatsApp group, just use him. You know, We can't sell him and we're not going to buy anyone else. Just use him for another season like we did with Genie. Run him into the ground. Yeah. Just say, listen, you're going to play 20 minutes this weekend because I want to get more out of Jordan Henson next week by using you. I suppose, Chris, Like the question is, Liverpool's midfield depth slash quality enough to compete for major honours? The, the obvious answer is yes, because this exact midfield Competed for four yeah. major honours last season. They come within a hair's width of winning the league title. They won two trophies. They were in a final of another. The questions I, I'm with Ross is that I, I think as a collective, if everyone's fit and firing, I'm fine with it. It's just like when you start picking the bones out of the individuals, you can. There's very few of them. You can just go absolutely fine. I think Fabinho's the one way you think yes, yeah, sound. Henderson. Up and down, lots of minutes in his legs. Milner, age, Thiago, fitness worries. Naby Keita, fitness worries slash consistency issues. Oxlade-Chamberlain, quality slash fitness issues. Harvey Elliott, age, inexperience, 
fitness, come back from an injury. Carl Valley, we don't know who he is yet. Curtis Jones, age slash inconsistencies. So glass half full. If everyone's playing ninety nine nine percent, we're fine. We'll we'll piss things. If if there's four or five of them question marks, four on the wrong side of the coin, that's when you're looking at it thinking, ah, maybe we could just do it one more who's just nailed on Fabinho esque. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. To be honest with you, I think again, I'm I'm more confident that Liverpool's midfield is fine yeah. than anything. To be honest with you, because I saw them last season produce incredible performances game in game out over the course of a 60 what 4 65 game season whatever it was in the end um so we've proved that we can do it with these lads we've added to those lads we the same concerns were there last season state yeah, you know henderson still had them cater still had the same issues oxide chamberlain the same question marks literally everybody was saying milner was too old and everything else you know what i mean so it's exactly the same thing and they've proved that they went through the season and they were fine. Yep. You know, and we didn't lose loads of the lads to, to you know, multi-game injuries all throughout the season. In fact, we had Oxlade-Chamberlain on the bench fit for the best part of four months at the end of the season games on the bench, with, yeah. without, without him even getting a sniff of the field. So he could have used them last season if he'd wanted to and if we'd have had injuries and stuff. So I think it's probably a little bit over-egged, to be honest with you, Liverpool's midfield issues. We competed last season in four major honours. It's the same midfielders plus Harvey Elliott back from a big injury plus Carvalho. Liverpool's midfield's fine. Can we do better? Yeah, we could do better. You know, we've not even mentioned Kurt Jones, by the way, here, which is mad because I got a, a sneaky feeling that all the talks about Elliot and Carvalho and come the end of the season, it might not be. Come the end of the season, it might be that Kurt Jones was the best of the three of them. Um, that's a hope, anyway. Um, so there's a lad who can be consistent, who's got games under his belt, who's got experience now of getting to finals and winning big games and producing in big games as well. Does he need more consistency? Yeah, of course he does. Are the better midfielders out there? Yes. That's that's where people, get, get I think, get their head down about it. You want eight, eight stars. Yeah, whereas, you look at the full-backs. We've got the two best full-backs in the world and we've got probably the best bank of four centre-backs in the world. And the best we've got one the of the best two goalkeepers in the world, probably the best goalkeeper in the world. We've got maybe the best six in the world. That's it in, in terms of midfield. In terms of strikers, we've got one of the best strikers. We've got a, an emerging talent in Luis Diaz who we're all really happy with and we've bought one of the you know, best prospects up front who could end up being one of the best in the world. But I think with midfield, it's just slightly different. I think the system probably plays more in the midfield and allows them to produce victories for the club than the individual performances. I think if you asked any fan of an English side five years ago, who would you rather have in your side, Paul Pogba or Jordan Henderson? I think almost unilaterally, unilaterally everybody will have gone with Paul Pogba and now you look back with hindsight over the five years and look at the trophies they've won and I still think on talent Paul Pogba might be a better player but it's not based on talent it's about performances in your side in your system with the players that you're with Jordan Henderson hasn't had 10 times the career in club football that Paul Pogba's had so but we judge them on the talents rather than their performances for the team and I 100% agree and what needs factoring in is that James Milner's grew a beard as well Ross yeah, yeah. That so needs, he's better so he's well, automatically I'm talking about that and training this, he's live training this morning they're all doing that too it's a great beard. beard as well yeah. he's a man who suits a beard yeah. I, I'm, I'm impressed like he's, he's still pissing the, the, the fitness test and things like that again what I would say is that 
James Milner, who started the season last season, I thought was poor. I thought he had a pretty poor start when he was in midfield. By the end of the season, I thought he was brilliant. There was an argument that playing a half for Thiago in the Champions League final, in hindsight, was a mistake. You might have been better with a Milner or a fully fit Naby Keita than, than, than Thiago. Was, he was literally doing a fitness test 20 minutes before kick-off. Probably, you, you should, in hindsight, you know what I mean? Like, there was arguments there. That's, that's how good I thought Milner was. And Naby, we saw, replaced Thiago in, in a final because of injury as well. So, I'm with you, Chris, in that the questions come from the fact that they are all... Prospects are hard to judge because you've never seen it before. Harvey Elliott, Ross, could be, he could be... Pepe Linders just called him Andres Iniesta. He could be the next Iniesta. That's a lot of pressure, that. Uh, yeah, hopefully you're beautiful. Oh, good luck, Harvey. But on the flip side, he could be the next X, Y, Z. He could be who just flops it. And that's the thing. There are less... I think compared to Manchester City's midfield, and that's what they're, they're who we're always comparing to, I think City have got more sure things in their midfield than us. We've got a lot of, we've got a lot of variables... I think City have got more nailed on. Yeah, he's classy, he's classy, he's classy, he's classy, he's classy. And we haven't really got that. And that's probably where some of the anxiety comes from as well. Yeah, it's the fears, as Chris mentioned before, fears and, and what ifs of, of what's going to happen in the season. You can't, well, you can do because they're actually doing it. But like, what if this person gets injured, what if that person gets injured, and you're just going worst case scenario, whereas you can't do that. And you don't know what Manchester City fans are thinking, or maybe Man- Manchester City, yeah, on paper. Quality, but we saw, even saw towards the end of last season. I know they've had a really good summer as well, by the way. Towards last season, you look, look at their bench. And who they've got on there, and like three, maybe four of the of the subs bench were kids. Well, they, he rotated the team in the semi final, and we obliterated it. But but even yeah. towards the end of the end of the Premier League, it's like oh, who's who's this guy? And, and, and they were kids, and this is why I keep reiterating and harping on about the five subs things because I just think it's going to benefit us loads by saying like you know again if there's half an hour left or whatever, bring Curtis Jones on and the Premier League game, game for well, that's going to be completely fine. I think he's been slightly undone and criticised by not last season, the season before, where we had loads of injuries. I think it was him Milner. And Gino and Alden that were just playing every single game, and he played loads more football than he, than he should have done. So I think I think we'll be fine. And Harvey Elliott, he's shown no signs that he's going to flop. The next in Iniesta, there's no going to say no. no but pressure. even before that, like start last season, he was playing Chelsea at home. Like he was, you know, we could be sat here where he didn't get his injury. Like just going, he's nailed on to start every single game in the field. He didn't turn out that way because he got a, a horrific injury, but. Because loads of people in the mix. Yeah, we, also, we, we look like... We, we know we're going with the midfield we've got as far as concerns. We'll see how it pans out. It is an unanswered question. My one... And I'm not asking... Again, guys, I am not specifically asking you to answer this question now because you will not know the answer. I think if we when we find the answer to my question, we'll say a lot about Liverpool in terms of depth as well. It's a very one... It's a player that not many people are talking about. But my question or my thing in my head is, is Calvin Ramsey good enough to play? Because if Calvin Ramsey's good enough to play... That means your backup right back isn't your backup midfielder with an amazing beard, or your backup centre half who's just signed a new contract. I always get wary when your backups are taken from other positions to fill that role. So if Milner has to go at right back, or if Gomez has to go out to centre back, we saw this at the end of last season. Chris Van Dijk's got a niggle, Trent's got an issue, and before we know, it, we've got two centre halves. Fine, we've got Matip and Canate, perfect. Gomez is doing a bit at right back. You're one injury away from and Reese Williams is on the bench and bless Reese Williams, I don't think he was ready to be in in, in a, a big game. You know, it wasn't beyond the realms of possibility that Liverpool was starting Reese Williams in a, in a big game because we were we were one away from it. Left back sorted, we got two, and I'd bank on either of them playing any time. I'm fine with it. Centre half, you mentioned we got four, got a very good goalie and a very good backup goalie. Who I'm all right with coming in for games. I, I, if Calvin Ramsey can play. You can you, the rest that Ross has talked about with the subs trends can can be spelled out. You can play Ramsey at home to Fulham or you know a home to Bournemouth or whatever a little bit like he was starting to do with Nico Williams a bit before he start left. Um, 
that's the question for me is that it, it can Calvin Ramsey play because if he can't that, that you're covered across the back two in every we always dream about having two in every position and we'll have it if he is if he's not then you're borrowing from Peter to pay Paul yeah and I think what I would say is if you're hoping that he is good enough don't be discouraged when he doesn't sit on the bench yeah. every single week because Klopp likes the fact that he's got versatility on yes. the bench so we've seen loads of times where Jim McCass we know he's good enough to be a backup left back but doesn't make the bench because he's not versatile enough that he can play two or three positions if the shit hits the fan in game if, 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 if Milner's on your bench and Gomez is on your bench they are then covering a couple of different issues. Yeah, so don't be discouraged by that. My my gut would be that he's not going to be ready yet. Uh, my gut is he's going to have a little run out in the uh, Carabao Cup. Potentially when the FA Cup starts, he's going to have a little run out depending on your draw in that. Um, I wouldn't expect to see him too much in the first month and a half of the season. And that will be because he, he's not ready. He's not fit, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> and so, but it's also, it's the position on our side which is probably the most different to a normal right-back's position. And I know it's something that he's comfortable with, but I think Klopp will want to train him. I think the coaches will want to get their arms around him, make sure he explicitly knows without thinking what his role is within the side. And that's the difficult thing. You know, when you're thinking on the football field, where you are, where your nearest player is, where you should be, you lose time. And time, as we know, is precious on a football field. So you, that needs to just be, not, without thinking, you need to know where you are, where, where you're supposed to be, etc., etc. That is going to take time. There's nothing but, you know, knowledge and understanding are two completely different things. Understanding has the knowledge, but doesn't have to kind of think about it. So Calvin Ramsey's going to take a little bit of time. Football-wise, from everything that I've seen and read, it looks like he's got the talents to be able to do it. Maybe not to Trent's level, maybe not this season or next season, but maybe down the line. So I've confidence he will be a good backup right-back for us. He clearly wants to learn. He clearly understands where he is right now and how good he thinks he can be and he wants to challenge for that position he's got the confidence so these are all good positive pointers for me but is he ready right now if, if Trent Alexander-Arnold went down for, before the first game of the season there ain't no way Calvin Ramsey's coming in game week one no Joe Gomez Joe Gomez starts I'm with you it's more a case of Ross like uh, I remember a couple of seasons ago when Nico Williams were playing I remember he started at Fulham a couple of seasons ago when, when Klopp just needed to give Trent a rest out the side and it meant that he's still you're not you're not playing someone out of position. You're playing a a, a cheap imitation, really. With all due respect, like no one's going to be as good as Trent. So that I'm I'm not criticising you, but if Carlson Ramsey can offer you seventy percent of what Trent offers you in attack, and you're not that you're not that worried about the defensive duties because you're playing against a team who you, you you'd hope that you can defend against anyway. That's the thing because I Trent is so good that you've got to look. You're going to play a lot, but you've got to look after him. Mo Salah might be in this boat as well. I thought at the end of last season, Mo Salah, and even he is he is a fitness machine. He is ridiculous. Even his legs were starting to go. I felt him. He played a lot of footy. Been away with Egypt and got to penalties in every single game. Like Liverpool are going to have to look after these guys in what is a very strange season. That's my thing. If Calvin Ramsey can come in and do a, a decent job of it and leave leave James Milner to be a midfielder and just leave Joe Gomez to be a centre half, where the rotation is going to happen. It just ticks a lot more boxes than having to move somebody around and, and you've messing around with the yeah. jigsaw pieces. And I think we'll see a lot of both. I think Chris is right there. I think the question is, is he ready rather than is he is he good enough? Because I think Liverpool wouldn't have bought him if he, yep. if he, if he, if he wasn't. It's fair. But uh, everything that he was saying there was just akin to what happened with Andy Robertson. Well, actually, you don't play for two, three months because we want to get you in the side and, and give you all the training that you need before we throw you in the deep end. I think there's also the beauty of the fact that we have Milner and Gomez there that 
there is no need to rush him, is there? Because you can just guys will slot him in. I think Gomez actually gets a, a bit of a, a bad rap at, at right back because everyone goes, oh, I don't want to buy him playing there because he's not Trent going forward. Well, actually, I think he was it Watford that we played at home and he gets a he gets so, to get to get two assists in that game, I think as well. So there's options there, and you, you know we have a, a huge squad that we need to use. I think it would also be ideal to get him prepared for. Is it September, October, which is just ridiculous with, with loads of games? That's the moment where I think you need to get the yeah. most out with like the size of your squad because again, you know, Trent can't be playing three times a week in every single competition. No. Yeah. It's just stupid. If, if Calvin Ramsey, a successful season for me, and I don't know whether you would agree on this, is come the business end if Liverpool are still in competitions and, and looking to try and get to finals. If at that point we can start to rest Trent Alexander Arnold, I think it's a successful season. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think I think you're right. August, the FX list in August is, is surprisingly sparse. There's lots of breaks between the games. And then September comes and it's crazy because the Champions League needs to be finished before the World Cup and stuff. And it will be three games a week every single week. And that's where you've got to be careful of burnout. And that's why I'm with you. I'd be, I'd be shocked if he played much at all in August. Can I ask a question? Non, well, kind of football related. Why do we always say three games a week? We always count the previous weekend's game. So we go Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and always count, and then and then we count the Saturday again in the oh, next I'm, th- I'm thinking more like I was thinking more like Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday. So I count it's within seven days. That's how I but see it. But then the next week, would you say we only played twice because we played Wednesday, Sunday? <laughs> yeah. It's you, so annoying. No, me, the, right? people <laughs> always <laughs> do it, don't they? And it's like it's just not right. Yeah. Okay, then two, a game every midweek. We play three three times one week and twice the next week, and then yeah, yeah no, that that, that, that is games it. Games in seven days, though, isn't it? That's what, it yeah, is three yeah, days yeah. In, in seven yeah. days, but then we we. Love Lump that up as we're playing three days a week, oh, but the next seven days you only play two. In. Yeah, but it's like, it's, like a Venn, it's like a Venn diagram. How many days in a week? Seven. We're, we're play, he says we're playing three games a week. Within a week? No, he's saying we're playing uh, three games a week, a week for okay. September, October. Yeah. One week you'll play three, one week you'll play two, one week you'll no, play... No, no, no. You, you can play three games in seven days. You can play... Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, and then play Wednesday, Sunday. But you'd carry on saying three yeah, games a week. Yeah, because it, it it's still, it's, it's just the overlap. That, that game comes to the end. They were a date twice, that's what I'm saying. I Every you. football fan does it, they go three games a week. It's like, if it was three last week, you can't count that final game as the oh, start of this week. I absolutely can't. Every football fan in the world does it, and, and I, it's and not true. I'm going to carry on doing it. He's okay, right, we're going to play every... I get right. it, I get it. Yeah. Liverpool are going to play every weekend and every midweek. Through September, October, more. Doesn't roll off the tongue as much, does it? Yeah, no, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Every, like, it's not just a Liverpool thing. Yeah, Everyone yeah. does it. No, playing three games a week. Are you though? Okay, Liverpool can play a lot of games. Let's let's leave it there, thanks. <laughs> English with Chris Page Jack there. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you've enjoyed that one. Right, we are going to discuss. There are burning questions anyway, so yeah, hopefully um, the answer is all positive for the Reds. And if it is, there's a very good chance they're lifting more shiny things come May. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and after this, we'll be back to discuss the top six clubs in the transfer windows they've all had. Who's had a good window? Who's had a bad window? Who's had the best? Who's the best player signed? Who's left? Who's going to make an impact? All that kind of stuff. Before then, though, I want to give you all a heads up on this month's competition prize for our club legends. Take it away, Mr. Chris Pajak. Just a few days remaining, this incredible Club Legend prize. So anyone who signed up at Club Legend level on Redmen Plus has a chance to win this incredible 2001 UEFA Cup final Liverpool shirt signed by Emil Heskey and Jamie Carragher. So if you are signed up at redmenplus.com as a Club Legend, then your name is already in the prize draw. If you sign up today, or if you're a club captain and upgrade to 
a club legend level. Come the end of the month, you could be in the hat to win this incredible one-off prize. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yeah, there you go. If you want to win a frame signed shirt by Emil Heskey and Jamie Carragher, UEFA, 2000, UEFA Cup 2001, uh, yeah, become a Redman Plus Club legend. Get all access to all the amazing content. Get the Discord chat for you guys as well. Avoid football Twitter as much as you can by just talking with like-minded Reds in the Discord. But yeah, one of the main perks is obviously the monthly competition prize. We've given away some ridiculous prizes over the last few weeks. Like We need to stop it, actually. It's quite we absurd. We start keeping all of our stuff. It's absurd. And even the I've even heads up on next month's prize as well, which is an even belter. Even better belter. It's a another frame share, basically by another European Cup winning legend of Liverpool. Share. We're giving tons and tons away. Redmenplus.com. Sign up as a club legend. You'll be in that draw for sure. Right then, guys. Um, you can get it in when you. It's a belter. Yeah. We'll 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 keep an eye on the socials. We'll we'll drop some spoilers later. There you go, Ross. I'm doing your job for you there. Get Mark G in the comments saying enjoying the podcast, even though I'm a City fan. Good work. Wait until we get on to Man City, mate. You say that I've been impressed by them. So uh, we're, yeah, we're going to talk now about the top six and their transfer windows. Um, and just see where Liverpool stack up in terms of what's in and out. I'm going to start with Man City because obviously they are the ones who were fighting for the league title. I can't imagine any. I can't imagine many scenarios where it's not City and Liverpool first and second in, in either order. Chris, so major ins obviously. Haaland, do we very much touch upon later? They brought in Calvin Phillips. They brought in Alvarez as well, who's, who hasn't been talked about quite as much. Um, they brought in Ortega as their backup goalie. In terms of outs, some significant ones: Raheem Sterling, Gabby Jesus. Alex Inchenko and Fernandinho, the main four, really. City have had a good window, I think. They brought in a world-class player. They brought, they've replaced Fernandinho with a very good defensive midfielder. Alvarez is pretty much the sterling replacement. We'll see how, how, he, how he copes as well. But 
<sighs> Although City have lost some big names there, it feels like they they've restocked the cupboard quite well. Would you go along with that? Yeah, it's very. It, it looks like good business by Manchester City, to be honest. And the scary thing with what Manchester City have done is they've kind of they've kind of reached that level whereby. Because you're playing at Man City, you can recoup a lot of money for your players. It's a level that Chelsea have been doing really well with over the years as well. Maybe not so much over the last couple of years, but certainly if you've been trained at Manchester City or with Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola, sorry, then there seems to be a premium put on you, and they're doing really well. Like they've made about sixty million this transfer window. They're in, yeah, they're in profit. Uh, Forty-five point nine eight million, according to uh, TransferMarket.co.uk. That's mad. Like, considering how much they've spent. Now, look, I don't want to get into the ins and outs of the Haaland deal, but, like, the thought that Manchester City have done really good business around Haaland, transfer price-wise, is baffling to me because anyone could have played that release clause, but not anyone could have played the extras. But that's fine. I'm bitter about it because mm-hmm. I kind of wanted them. And I'm okay with that. Ultimately, the signing is going to be brilliant for them. They've got no question marks about that. The Calvin Phillips one, I'm a little bit unsure about. I think he's um, a I'm a fan. I'm, I don't know whether he. I don't know. Look, Guardiola knows better than me whether he can whether he can do it in a Manchester City shirt. My hope is that that one fails. <laughs> uh, to be perfectly honest, and they have to run Rodri's nuts off all season into the yeah, ground. Uh, Alvarez is an interesting one. Young player, he seems to have got up. Not many people talking about him. Could be trained a little bit like the Gabriel Jesus signing a few years ago. Is he going to make it, or is he just going to be farmed out to Arsenal in a few years' time? Don't know. Uh, the Ortega one, obviously, they've replaced. They got rid of Stefan, did they, the goalkeeper? Yeah. So they got rid of him. So yeah, that makes sense. One in, one out. I think right now they're a stronger side than they were. And I don't feel like letting Raheem Sterling go is going to have too much of an impact. The one position I would say where they might be a little bit short is left-back. Obviously, they've let Zinchenko go. We know uh, Cancelo's played there a lot and stuff like that. Is that a long-term thing? Do you get? Can you get more out of him somewhere else? I'm not 100% sure. They're still trying to buy the lot from Brighton, Andy Cucurella, so if they can get that one done, I agree. It almost becomes the phasing out of Kyle Walker at that point where Cancelo can just go and have a season at right-back. And, and that makes perfect sense. And he's incredible. And then they'll go again. I suppose the Sterling one, Ross, is a little bit mitigated by the £100 million they spent last summer on Jack Grealish. At some point, like he has to, he's going to establish himself in their team one way or the other. He started doing that towards the end of the season. He was getting more games. So a little bit like with Luis Diaz and Sadio Mane to a, a different extent, they've actually got the replacement up kind of already in. They'll stick Haaland up front, sound. The right wing can be any one of 100 of them. And then Jack Grealish can go and do a bit on the left. There's Foden, Silva, Bernardo Silva can still What go is there. going on with Silva? Because there was rumours of him leaving his... There's, 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 well, there's rumours of him every year, but I, I mean... It's that, a shame that, because he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah I would he, like him to leave them. But he wanted, to leave, <laughs> he wanted to leave last year, and he didn't, and he came in, and uh, probably arguably his best season. He was incredible last season. He's so, he is so good. They're an uber-talented side, but that's the thing. My, from hoping what happens... Is that I hope Jack Grealish just can't fill up Sterling's boots adequately, or whoever goes on the left. Even then, you've got other options. You can just stick Phil Foden out there, and he's in brilliant. Well. Oh, Grealish's best asset is being able to beat a man and get to the byline, and now he's got a forward that's going to be there. Yeah, it kind of yeah, makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I on Haaland, he is the. Like the He's the apex predator the, in the Premier League. The, right the goal he scored the other day, that didn't really, like, in terms of, oh, put the shit on me, because Man City scored that goal all the time. It doesn't matter who's tapping that in. So it, it might just be the Haaland's gets five of them where Jesus would get them. You know what I mean? It's the the half chances. That's where I think ha- Haaland is incredible. He's the master of just putting half chances because he's so bow footed 
a ball bouncing around the box from anywhere. City, we saw that times last season, they struggle with that. He'll just score them. That's what, If they're going to get better from what they've done, that's what he's going to make the difference, like I say. He'll score 10 of those tappings he got the other day. But what Raheem Sterling was doing that and Jesus was doing that, it's the half chances, Ross. I think that if City are going to score more, more goals, that's where it's going to be from. Yeah, it's the half chances and it's the half chances in the Champions League where I think they're, yeah. they're hoping he's going to make the difference because that's where ultimately they've, they've come up short over the past four, five years, probably even longer, longer than that. So, like, to, like Chris says, I think Grealish will get a lot more game time than he did last season because I think... He has to really, doesn't he? Yeah, well, yeah, he has to, but also the, the, the pressure's on, on him. And that's where I'm not sure about the Calvin Phillips stuff. It feels like... I'm not sure, it's not even hope. I just, I just, I feel like he might get lost in a Manchester City side. Like, but you he, can't. They don't need you, but they don't need them to be good. They just need them to. Know, be, they need them to beat. They need them to be available. But when they beat Bournemouth five 0 at home, which they inevitably will, that's but where if, Rodri has his rest, and Calvin Phillips can have a six out of ten game. But if he's, if that's all is everyone saying that he is, and the price that they paid for him, why is he, why is he not staying? Why is he not going to be to be a first choice player? At a, I don't know. Spurs or an Arsenal or you know because Man City it? and it's Pep Guardiola and you're gonna you you guarantee the medal at the end of the season like go why would you go to Tottenham? My big hope for Calvin Phillips is he becomes Danny Drinkwater Mark two yeah but the flip side that's, is that's what, that's what he, I think will happen I know I get I get I get I do get why he's gone but also if he's as good as everyone's saying why is he not going to be the starter for whatever well he might Rodri. be he might he might be better than Rodri he, he might he might take his place you know what I mean like he, he's a significant fit I think he's a good player. I think there's a lot of fitness issues around that, that he's had, hasn't he? That's, that's just been his concern. But all they need is someone who can give Rodri 20 games off a season or something and, and play well in them. Just fill Fernandinho's role and just get yellow cards. Well, seven <laughs> fouls. Oh, yeah. Or don't oh, get yellow cards. Get yellow the cards, Fernandinho yeah. role was. Yeah. I, I think they've had a good I, window. I, yeah, I, to be honest, I think I think they've had the best. And I, well, the bit that's really impressed me about Man City is, is the outgoings, as Chris mentioned before. You know, I think Sterling had a year left on his contract, so to get the price that he did that they did for him, I think it is, is really good. Zinchenko, by all, all accounts, again, we're talking about versatility with Liverpool. I think there was times where he was playing left-back, left-wing. I think he even did a, did a stint in the field. He wants to be a left-winger yeah. at Arsenal. I'm not sure um, that's going to happen. And he's a centre-mid. Yeah, he, he centre-mid yeah, for Ukraine. Centre -mid. So, again, he's done that. But obviously, they, they can chop and change full-backs as, as much as they want Man City. But again, it's, it's a good fee. So, all these things that we label at Manchester City about, you know, where the money's come from and how they, how they choose to spend money. Again, it's... You know, like Chris said, there's obviously a bit of bitterness there and, and whatever else, but I think this is the one one summary you can look at them and go, actually, you've done really good business. If they've had a good window, Chris, I think we'd all agree Chelsea are in a bit of flux. I think the two signings they've made, and I won't go into too much, so if you want to hear my thoughts on Chelsea, by the way, we did the summer transfer show, didn't we, where we, we went in depth. I'd love your thoughts, Chris, on Chelsea. Um, Sterling and Koulibaly, I think, undeniably very talented players, really, really good signings. They'll both start day one. But they have lost Rudiger, they've lost Christiansen, they've lost Lukaku. There's questions over Werner, Ziyech, Pulisic, Aspilicueta, Alonso, Ross Barkley, who's still there. there. There's a lot of questions about a lot of players there. And they're struggling big time to get... By all accounts, the Koundé deal might have fell through and Barcelona are interested. Chelsea have... Well, Thomas Tuchel said this, we're not ready. He, he literally said this himself. Chelsea are in a bit of state of flux here. And... They could sink. Like, there's a chance where they. they yeah, they, I think that's right. I think for me, you know, Koulibaly is a better defender than Rudiger and Christiansen are. Okay, I, I think Rudiger's good. But yeah, yeah, in a two, Thiago Silva can't play in a two. Thiago Silva <laughs> can't play in a two. That's where it comes down to. So, what what is their plan? But you know, Rud losing Rudiger was their best centre half by a mile. Yeah. I thought. Yeah. Losing him is a big loss. Koulibaly fills that loss. 
But he, he, if you can get somebody else in, then you, I think you can play it too, which is probably what they wanted to be able to do. But there's so many question marks about their squad right now, about what they're, what they're able to do. Um, Raheem Sterling's going to be a good signing for them, I have no doubt. Um, <laughs> he's brilliant. He's so good. He's superb. He's, he's absolutely so super. We know first hand how Where do you think he'll play? Probably left wing. I think probably right wing. But yeah, either way, he's going to be, he's going to be, he'll be in the team. He's brilliant. Dieck or whatever. I mean, that's not really worked out he flashes but that's about it I think for me and I, I actually did this video um, like a rank a tier ranking video um, with uh, Beth, on Beth Victor's YouTube channel um, yesterday and I had it in my head that Tottenham are the most improved by the transfer window because I think they've They've improved them. Well, they've literally improved the most, I suppose. That doesn't mean that they're going to be title challengers. It just means that they're going to be closer to third. And I think Chelsea and Tottenham are going to be there or thereabouts. But I think I might edge it to Tottenham finishing third this season if all of their signings work out, which is again a whole other host of issues. Chelsea have got the most to lose so far from what I'm seeing at Manchester United so far. Yeah. Luka- it's weird because Lukaku. Th- th- it doesn't it, affect him. It doesn't affect him because he didn't do much anyway. Exactly. But I think I think losing Rudiger and it's just the chaos of that club. And we had this chat. I don't want to repeat too much, Ross. But like they thrive in chaos. Chelsea they just they exist in a state of chaos. It's what they do, and they often do well from it. But when the manager comes out and says, "You know, there's players trying to leave. We're trying to get players in. We can't get deals done. We know they missed out on Rafinha. It looks like they missed out on Koundé. There's been plenty of talk about all these others leaving it for so long. Now, even if they get someone in, like that." The season starts in a week or so. I mean, it, it, again, you're going to have to get someone amazing, like brilliant, who could just slot straight in. You're going to need another Raheem Sterling. And Chelsea have got the financial power to go and get someone that good, and they might go and get somebody. But as it stands, they haven't. So they're relying on a couple of players who, A, they were trying to replace, B, who want to leave, or C... See, who's out there for Chelsea? Yeah, to yeah that's what I'm saying. They're gonna, or, or they're going to have to settle for another squad rotation because it's, it's, it's difficult to see where they go from here. Yeah, it's all about the mental state, and I referenced yesterday the, the morale of that of that team, that squad. It's interesting what he came out, Tuchel came out and said at the weekend. Was it four 0 lost to Arsenal, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know that might be just kind of like he's firing a warning to his players that you need to pull your finger out. Might be firing a warning to the owners. You know, but it's brave. You know, but he might be saying like, listen, we, we, you know, we're never gonna be able to compete. But go back to this time last season when they got Lukaku in again. It, this happened with, Man- with Manchester United when they got um, Varane, Sancho and Ronaldo in and everyone's going, we've got title challenges, title challenges. Like, again, to Chris's point, signs don't mean anything. Tottenham could like could challenge for the title or top four but all those signs need to work first and foremost yeah. and it's, it's not going to work. I find it baffling at Chelsea the, the way that they go about and do their business because they lost Rudiger, which they knew. They lost Christiansen, which they knew they were going to do. There was question marks over Alonso and Asquetta, which which they knew. But like the focus was was on like Raheem Sterling. I was like, you need you need defenders. Like what are you doing? It just seems to be a bit sporadic. I oh, will go for Kunde. I oh, will go for Koulibaly. And it all felt like their business was a bit late, which you know was mitigated by outside circumstances and, and getting a, a takeover day on stuff. But like on paper, they got well, they got Pulisic, ZX, Sterling, Havertz, Hudson Odoi, Galoftis Cheek, like. All these players, Mason that, Mason Mount, all these players that they've, they've got an attack and going. Well, I think we need another attacker. <laughs> like, fuck yeah. you, they you need, they need an attacker. Like I need a bigger ash. Yeah, exactly. like, you know what yeah. I mean. What, 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 what are they doing? And, and that's part of why they're losing out to 
to, to come down or, or centre-backs. And, and we know, and again, as Chris just said there, who can you go out and go and get who's got to significantly improve what you're doing? At some point, they're going to have to go out and replace Thiago Silva. As, you know, I think he's brilliant, but obviously... He's he can't brilliant. play the two. Got, he can't play Did the see two, the goal the other day? He was about four yards to ever back because exactly, he knows he's got no legs. So what does that do for them? So, and it's great, but, you know, as a Liverpool fan looking at this now, because, again, we mentioned yesterday, like our, how we do our business. It was done a month ago. Not to worry about any of this. Yeah, and it's, it's heads down. Let's, let's crack on with the season again. It's the everyone wants a midfielder kind of thing. But no, that's just pre-season's done. We know where we're at. Heads are all concentrated. Everyone's on the same page. And over there, it's just chaos. I feel like Spurs have done that, Chris. They, they, it feels like I'd, I'd be shocked if they got anyone else in. Now they look, they're, they're kind of working on the outs. You know, Antonio Conte literally left players out the tour. I think and Dombele, Harry Winks, and stuff. But in terms of their incomings. Richarlison, Basuma, Spence, Perisic, and then Longley, and then obviously Ben Foster as their as their reserve goalkeeper. As it stands, really, only Stephen Bergwijn's left. There's a few others who are probably on the way out as well. What he's done there is drastically improved the squad. Like Tottenham, I think Tottenham we all together a very good team, but the, the the depth really wasn't much to it. They've now went and strengthened that. They've got a, a, a good couple of rotational options around. They've done. They've had a very good window with a very good manager. And you can tell that whether he's had a word with Daniel Levy and said, here's what we need or, or, or whatever, he's probably demanded it. No one Antonio Conte because he's that type of character. They've had a very good, strong window. Yeah, so. I think so. I think obviously Perisic is, is the one that you know draws the eye for me. Um, obviously getting on a little bit now, but such a good footballer. So Can do a wing. If he wants to go to a wing yeah, back, he so him, he's just dead impactful. You can just give him the ball and you'll move 30 yards further up the pitch when, it, when, it, when he passes it and stuff. He just seems to know where the goal is as well. He knows where his strikers are. He's just a really good player. He's an enjoyable player to watch as a fan, actually, Perisic, and I've always kind of thought that. You know, tough to move to the Premier League at 32, 33 years old, by the way. Not really many people talking about that, but um, I think Basuma, good player, of course, got some off-the-field issues at the moment, I think. Richarlison, I've never really seen it, but, you know, speak to Toffee TV quite a lot, and they say that he, he'll do well at a bigger club. I, I've never really seen it, to be honest, and maybe I'm blinded by hatred for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Spence, I don't really know too much about. I've not heard of him until about six to 12 months ago, something like that. Um, but you can see there that it's a, it's a much more well-rounded squad. They're preparing for five substitutes, I think, a lot, a, a lot of the time here, and they're preparing for preparing for more games and more minutes, and that's Champions something League that they, had to, well. they actually had to do um, if they want to compete at, at, at a higher level for longer. So, yeah, much much improved. They are nowhere near a title fight, though. And I think that's the one thing that everyone's over-egging here. They are... They're in a fight for third place with Chelsea. Yeah. And they'll win it if Chelsea fuck it up. And they might not, because they might not have improved that enough. What I do find interesting is something that sort of happened last year. I think... Our head-to-head games with City and our games and Man City's games with Tottenham and Liverpool's games with Tottenham decides the title this season. Yeah, Tottenham did well, two points off in, in all. Well, they, they, yeah, they, they won six points yeah, against City last yeah, season. Yeah, and we weren't yeah. able to capitalise on two on draws those, on those uh, quite well enough. But I do feel like they're the next one that could make the jump up yeah, to, to us. I think I said Ben Foster before. It was Fraser Forster who they found yeah. as a goal. I did say Ben Foster, my Fraser Forster. I think the Basuma one's very interesting, Ross. Obviously, there were a couple of off-field concerns that turned out to be unfounded in the end, and, and they took the gamble. Because he's one who everyone's seen for a long time, he's Basuma. And we always knew at some point he was going to leave Brighton and go somewhere. I just presumed it was nailed on at some point that he was going to sign for Manchester United. It just felt like he always was. But Tottenham have taken the plunge on him for a, a relatively, you know, 27 million quid-ish, perhaps, which seems like a decent fee for, for such a good player. 
he could be what they want Ndombele to be. Just like the absolute box-to-box machine. Because like, I, I thought, presumably, at Anfield, they had a good game, didn't they, as well? If he can do that for them alongside, like, Hoiberg, who's very solid, Bentacore, I thought, come in and did well. But they probably were lacking just a little bit of the dynamism. They're getting skipped back from his injuries. Well, they, they might want him to do things. But Ndombele's going, Harry Winks, it looks like they're trying to shut him off somewhere. Basuma could reinvent their midfield and have a really big impact. Yeah, it's the Premier League experience for me as well. For him, you just mentioned. Skip, you know, we can do it. Skipping Winks is like, you kind of, you know, can you rely on them really? Probably not. And again, we mentioned the Champions League football that they're in. You need someone of that next level, which I know he doesn't necessarily have in terms of European football, but he will do in, in, in big games. As you mentioned, at, at Anfield, numerous times, actually, I would have quite liked him at Liverpool, to be completely honest. Yeah, he's a good player. Um, I'd like a detective yeah. show with Skip and Winks on the TV, an American-style <laughs> detective show. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> sounds more it? Like, it sounds more like a kid's TV show, yeah. I think. <laughs> I need someone to take fucking Bluey out of my life. Bluey. I love Bluey, boss. Yeah, but I've seen them all now. It's, it's the new series coming Bluey. out soon. Yeah, I can't wait. And Gabby's, amazing, Gabby's Playhouse, that's the new one my kids are on. So if someone wants to make Skip and Wink and make it into a very entertaining cartoon, please feel free. Sorry, Ross. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I just think it's good business by, by Spurs. I'm, I'm with Chris on the Richarlison stuff, and I, I, it is partly clouded by hate, but I, I just don't get spending that amount of money on, on him when I don't think he guarantees you anything. But also, I do get the squad depth thing, because I think they've got, they got Son, Kane, Mora, Kulazewski, and Richarlison. I think Richarlison's better than Mora. I think he's better than Bergwijn. So, if he's first choice... Rotation, and he, I think he's fine. Yeah, he could even usurp Kulosevsky because he's, you know, he's he's only young, and you can. But he had a really good season last season. He's a very good player. Yeah. Son's amazing. Yeah. Kane's ridiculous. But again, then what? Yeah, we, we, they've been I mean, trying. They've, they've been trying to get a rotation value game for years, and it's never quite worked. Yeah. It's R- important. R- 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 being in the in the middle of the season though with Harry Kane, I think. I think that's really like I know everyone's it's got players. He, he to loves know, England, but he, he loves England more because <laughs> he, he he thinks he's got more of a chance to win a trophy. I think, and you know, stupid, isn't it? Yeah, uh, is it more likely to win something with Spurs or England? I, 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 I haven't I, I, seen the group. Like, I don't know whether the draw has been done, but I haven't got England getting out the the group. <laughs> just I, just I'd cause. say there's more more chance of Spurs winning a domestic cup than England yeah, but yeah, but a major honour, like proper proper. I get yeah. What Clark Calvin was major honour? No, no, but I'm, I'm talking really about I'm, I'm talking about what he would want to win. He's he, of a, a level a player that he's there. He wants to win. A, he's he, happy winning the Golden Boot. Yeah, he loves the Golden Boot. <laughs> he wants to go win the World Cup Golden Boot again. He wants to score seven past Panama again. But yeah, I think Spurs have had a good window. Let's move on to their rivals then. Arsenal. I think Arsenal feel like, Ross, a lot of people are quite happy with Arsenal. Like they've, yeah. they've, they've improved. I think the Jesus Sarnan, again, he looks like he's done well in the in the preseason so far. They bring in Zincheco, like we've talked about before. Vieira from um, Porto. They also brought in Marquinhos, the young kids. We'll see where he goes. They've lost Guendouzi, they've lost Lacazette again. There could be other changes here and there. <laughs> they really need some defenders, man. Well, they're was, Arsenal. They're like... I, I, it, someone tweeted the other day, didn't they? Like, we've got the best four centre-halves in the world. It was like Rob Holding, Ben White. Oh, I was like, Jesus Christ. Because it's a Salibe who they're bringing back in. Who did, uh, and got that, uh, is it Gabriel? Gabriel, yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm with you. I'm not sure about any of that, to be honest. But everything else seems to have gone quite well for them. Yeah. I've got a lot of time for Arsenal. I remember I said this a few times last season on the Round League shows. I've... Everyone understood that Arsenal were going through some sort of, oh well, a major transition by getting Arteta in and there was a project to follow. But at the same time, football fans and, and you know, whether it's Arsenal fans or rival fans, never have any patience. So it's like, oh, calling for Arteta's head or he's crap and he can't do this and stuff like that. The amount of players that, like, they got rid of that were, you know, 
that was just absolute crap, and they had to kind of rebuild again. And I think they're still, I think they're still doing that. Obviously, last season they lost to Bamiang in the middle of the season. They kind of needed to replace replace him. They've just lost Lacazette, so they need, need to replace him. But I think they're going in a good place. The thing that they needed to add was experience and age, and I think they've done that with Chinchenko and, and Jesus. The fact that they've got people who are winners in there, whereas the rest of it is just filled with kids. And they are in the prime. Yeah, and, and but they needed they needed that better balance. And again, maybe the defense is to the next stage of that transition of what Arsenal need to do to compete in top four. I'd argue that they, I think they'll finish above. Definitely above Manchester United, but I reckon they might be around the fourth area again. Again, depending on what happens with, with Chelsea, but I think fourth or fifth for them. Because... I still worry about the goalie. Don't think it's good. And, and Arsenal fans disagree with me that. And, and right on Twitter, they always give me stick about it. I'm not sure on him. They should have kept Martinez. And I think they're going to get rid of Leno. It's just been linked with someone this morning. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what Ramsdale, what are your thoughts on him? He's, to quote you, just good enough to get your beat. I'm kind of in that. You throw a couple in the morning. I'm not sure about him, but I, I all the thing with, thing with them, I, I like what I like what Arteta has been doing, and I like the fact that he's been given the time to do it's it. It's a bit you like NFL. It's, like it's like a process, isn't it? They've, they've yeah, they've, they've they've committed to it, yeah, and that's better yeah, than yeah, just yeah. booting your manager and starting again every couple of years. Yeah. You know, they, at some point you just have to go. This is the guy. This is who we're going to build behind. Who we're going to trust in, and we're going to give him the tools to be able to do the job. They've got the makings of a very very good side there. From midfield and the forwards, you know, I think the defense needs work. That's fine. That that can come. Like you know what I mean. They, as as Rush correctly in my in my view pointed out, they have a lot of very good youthful players. There's nothing you can do to speed up the process other than playing experience more games of football. In three years' time, their front five could be absolutely frightening if they keep them together. Martinelli, Saka, Jesus. Yeah, it could yeah. be it could be Odegaard, it could yeah. be really, 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 really good, and it just needs time to get there. They've got a system. They like the system. They believe in it. I think they need to sort of the centre backs out. I really do. Um, and probably it's Tommy Asu. Tommy Asu. Tommy Asu. Yeah, he's yeah. good. He's, he's good. He's good. But he's a he's a bit more of a stalwart type of fullback, any which I can see Zinchenko can give you a bit of balance there if you're going to play Tommy Asu on the right because I know he can play both sides, can't he? The goalkeeper needs work. But I think the, f- the thing with that is if you can identify the right person like we did with Virgil van Dijk, you can change the outlook on your back four quite quickly. And I, I think that's actually sometimes getting the- if you get the right guy, that changes. We've seen that first hand. Yeah. yeah, I think the other thing, to- I think there's pressure on Arsenal because the amount of money that they spent. So I think the current, according to transfer market, it's 106. Higher spenders. Yeah, yeah. higher spenders. So there's, there's pressure in, in that sense as well. But I think the other thing that doesn't get spoken about enough and we'll see this a lot more when this, this Amazon Prime thing comes out. I think it's next week or the week, I can't after, wait. Or the week after. It's the culture and the attitude that was at Arsenal. Yep. Now, we speak about Mesut Ozil and uh, Bamiyang, all these players that were kind of on high wages, particularly Bamiyang was, you know, wasn't um, disciplined enough. And I think it came, that's why it came to a head because Arteta is trying to bring up all these young players and teach them. And you're the captain of the lane. Exactly, <laughs> you're right to play. But also, we say, we say about Liverpool, like, why, why we're so blessed to have Jordan Henson and, and James Milner and Virgil van Dijk and all this, because the leaders off the pitch as well. When you've got such a young side, you need that because all these people, I think Gwen Doozy's guilty of this and probably why they've sold him as well because he was a bit erratic on the pitch and probably off it as well. So it's like, we're well, not going to listen to what we're going to say. I love that about Arteta. Fine, fuck off, Danny. You're not going to be here. To instill that mentality into those lads... Won't see the benefit of it now, but I think you will do in two, three, four years' time. And then by adding quality players who've won stuff in Jesus and Zinchenko, that will benefit Arsenal. I suppose the, 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 the big question mark over Arsenal, Chris, is Europe. Yeah, They were good last season. They scraped fifth. They, they, they fell away from fourth and they weren't even in 
Europe. Now they've got the Europa League by finishing fifty qualified for that. Are they? Are, is that squad good enough to compete on two fronts at the same time? My 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 gut feeling is no. There's a there's an argument to be made to just go and sign with the Europa League then. Get you the same gets you the same result. You know they're there or thereabouts, but. I do worry, are they good enough to compete in that competition and maintain a Premier League consistency with young players? That's the difficulty. It all, it feels yeah, like I, agree no, I think it's probably a, a little bit tough to ask. So I think I see them finishing fifth again, to be perfectly honest with you. I think the Europa League might be the best route for them to get into the Champions League. Obviously, it provides experience for those players. You do get to, you know, as I said, there's no shortcuts essentially to, to, to build an experience up. But when they haven't had... European football to when they have had European football, that is a, a little bit of a shortcut, isn't it? Because you're getting, you know, maybe six to eight, twelve games over the course of a season extra in a really big the Thursday, Sunday, Europa, Europa League thing. And you need to learn that. You need to be able to. Your body needs to learn how to deal with that and stuff yeah. as well. What Arsenal have got to do is if if they have a bad start, they need to somehow stay the course because they've committed to Arteta now. So they need to play this through. I think. And the worst thing for them would be to change manager halfway through the season. Contage, yeah. yes. Speaking of new manager, then let's talk about the team who finished sixth last season, last of the top six, Man United. Lissandro Martinez, uh, is it Malicia? I can't even, I don't really know. I, I've been saying Malicia. Yeah, the left back. And then obviously Christian Eriksen on a free transfer. In terms of out, Pereira, Pogba, Lingard, Matic, they've loaned out Dean Henderson as well, Ross. Um, Frankie de Jong is... is, is yeah, Matic's gone as well. Uh, yeah, well, Matic, yeah, yeah. In terms of... Um, Frankie De Jong is the one they've been after. I said he reminds me of that fellow who tied himself to the Everton goal. Just thought he doesn't want to leave Barcelona. And they're like, you want basically there's Man United are coming over with the with the cutters de- de- desperately trying to get him to all. <laughs> and he's like, he doesn't want to go. Take the hint. But no, there's also seventeen million dollars or pounds reasons why he doesn't want to go as well. But they're they're a mess. Yeah, and I I'm um, oh, sorry. Cavani on that list. Cavani's yeah. on the list and Lingard as well. Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah, I missed their Cavani off there as well, yeah. But yeah, they're, they're a mess. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, it's just, again, similar to kind of Chelsea, the chaos that surrounds Manchester United, the fact that De Jong is willing to take in another pay cut at Barcelona and... Yeah, just doesn't want to go. Like, stop trying to buy me. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Just doesn't want to go to, to, to Manchester United. I, I was quite surprised at Ericsson, to be honest with you. And again, we, we had this conversation with Jesse Lingard. It depends where, where your moral compass is. Obviously, Why but, were you talking to Jesse Lingard? It's about Jesse Lingard. <laughs> Trust me, I wasn't talking to him, mate. Um, <laughs> he did me a din. Um, where your moral compass is, like, oh, Brentford gave him the chance, maybe he kind of you know, owes it to them kind of thing. But he obviously saw an opportunity at Manchester United. Again, it's so far, far into late into the window, and they keep we find this Manchester United every single season. Sancho was was two seasons. Alexis Sanchez was two seasons. Everyone they buy just kind of kind of drags on. What does that mean? Well, if they don't get the young, what, what happens then? They've lost a lot of midfield players in there. The who lucky, are, who the, are already crap. You know, there's the thing. Yeah. That's what they're lucky. They've yeah. got rid of a lot of shit. Yeah, they've got rid of a lot of deadwood in one window. It's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. It feels like they might be doing what. Um, can't put what Arsenal do with Arteta is whether Man United can commit to it. He went and got a, a dynamic coach with his own philosophy, with his own ideas, who knows what he wants. But the second Man United down in the top four, he'll shit the bed. And that's the thing with them. They won't see the, they won't see it through if it doesn't work out well. I understand they're still very much in the mix for new signings and we'll see who they get and when they get them. But, Do you know what's bad about that? The fact that he keeps going to the well to go and buy Ajax players. Just but I, say Ajax. I, yeah, but no, but I get it because he wants players who know what he's doing as a starting point. They're I understand. Not, they're not proven in the Premier League, though. No, I, I understand. No, why the big pro- the big problem with this strategy is he's come in and all the work that he did last season planning for this transfer window has been thrown out because he bins Ralph Rangnick off. Yeah. He Ralph Rangnick off, and he's gone. They he they must have presented a list of players, and he's gone. No, 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 no. 
I'm going to go for my Ajax lads because they know my system. And everyone who's working on that transfer, whatever it is, committee, team, whoever, and now, like, you think we're shit. Yeah. That's a concerning yeah. start. You yeah. don't care though. I think he. I don't no, think he won't. He, yeah. But, but, but the they've whole... done what they've, they've they've done. What they said they weren't going to do. Give a manager too much give power. Give the manager the power. What 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 are you? Which is of... fantastic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. If it works, it doesn't work out. He but could that, be, he could be great whole... though. He could be great. That's the flip side. Like, there's a world where it's no, squad. There's a world where it's an argument, but there's a world where he's just a very good manager and he gets them to fourth because how good he is a manager, good manager is. And he is. That's what I'm saying. So that's the plus plus side. I want to put Martinez then because. I said when they signed him, they must think he's brilliant. To bring in a lad who's that short, if he's going to play centre-half... Hang on a minute. You you didn't say Cannavaro? Because <laughs> that's what he's being dubbed, Steve. Has anyone ever, in the Premier League... I, I get it in certain leagues. Mascarano went and dominated Spain and stuff. Cannavaro, brilliant. World level. I, the Premier League's just for me, Ross is a different kettle of fish. I can't think of any short centre-halves, really, who have absolutely bossed it. Like, Can I present it another way? Harry Maguire's plus six foot and he's shit. No, but you can be five foot nine. And, you can be five foot nine and brilliant. You absolutely can, and there's no question about it. He could be un- incredible. But at some point, Ivan Tony and Chris Woods and Darwin Nunes and Erlen Haaland, and he's, I understand he's played against all these top players around the world, and he's done relatively well against them. I've seen game clips and footage. Could you just say those it. strikers' names again for me? <laughs> big, big lads. In that order. No, no, I don't care what order. Just say them again. Tony, Woods, Nunes, <laughs> Haaland. Right, sound. So they've gone, right, there's Egan, let's drag. <laughs> so they've, gone, they've, gone, they've got really, really big strikers. I'm going to buy And there's more. Harry Kane. Yeah. Just, just yeah, like yeah. top players, yeah. but like there's a physicality to England that just doesn't exist anywhere else. I'm not. I always think sometimes it's over-egged a little bit. But ask any player who comes to England, that's the first thing that shocks them. Even Thiago, I can tell, I was like, yeah, I had to get used to me. I had to get my head around that. Martinez could be fantastic. I understand it. But every single team in the world, in England, rather, is just going to stand the big fella on him. They just are. And he's, and he's going to have to learn to deal with it. And when you and, and whoever's next to him isn't that good. That, that's, the, that's the caveat here. You can get by if the lad next to you is bloody brilliant as well. Yeah. They haven't got... They have, whoever it is isn't going to be brilliant. I, I, you think it's a huge... I think it's a huge question mark. He's going to have to be great, like seriously great, to negate that. Yeah, and for £50 million, pounds, you think he's going to be a starter, but... Something's gone wrong if he's not. But the, the reason it wouldn't be is because he bought Rafa Varane, who's an experienced quality defender and the other ones were worth 80 well we've bought for 80 million pounds so you've got to start unless it depends well it depends how they play if, if martinez can play to the style of, of what playing out the back and stuff like that then that's completely different because that's where harry Maguire falls short if you want harry Maguire to sit in this in a six yard box and have balls away then he's fine but he comes unstuck when he has to kick a ball when, when the ball's play played to his feet that's martinez is gonna have to kind of be the balancing act between those two but again harry Maguire's crap if Varane, if Varane's the key, isn't he? Because we didn't really see that much of him last season for various issues, Chris. But if he's back to being Rafa Varane or close to it, and Martinez is good, that is a, that's a good centre-half pair. Again, though, there's a lot of... That's a glass-half-full, glass-half-empty is. He's too short. He, what will happen to him last season? Harry Maguire's dog shift. Victor Lindorf isn't very good. Eric Bailly's good for one game a season and you never see him again. They've got a lot of question marks in that centre-half. They've got a lot of question marks in centre-half and they've just bought one exactly what you're saying. I, look, I think he's a good player and I think he'll do all right for them, to be honest. There is a concern, of course, about his height and the physicality of England. The, the major talking point for Manchester United is he's not strengthened the areas they needed to strengthen again. You know, they still need a DM. The Ronaldo thing still hanging They still need well. a centre forwards. Why have they bought Christian Eriksen? Why have they got another number 10? Yeah, we're well, not going to play Eriksen and, and Fernandes together. And if they do, 
but that means they're playing one DM who's probably going to be what Fred or they need that's the key they need they need a DM but then that's going to expose the defence that we've just been talking about they need a DM they need a great DM that's the first thing they should have been doing do they see Frankie Dong doing that I don't I don't understand it doesn't make any sense to me so it's all well and good like Harry Maguire is a serviceable centre off Harry Maguire can play at centre-half and get you into the top four. That's not what they're shooting for, so I understand going out and getting an upgrade on it. But like a DM would have made more impact, I think, than... 100%. To be fair, Martinez can play DM. He hasn't really... Maybe that's his key. Do you think that maybe they're going to play him there, perhaps? Oh, they've got Van Der Beek come back as well there, actually. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, He's not playing. But maybe he played Ajax. (laughs) He'd be captain. But yeah, the... That's the thing, is it? The, the, I, I see a lot of people say, well, they're going to play him DM. Ten Hag didn't really ever use him as a DM, so we, we'll see how that one goes. But yeah, it, a lot of questions. Just, sorry, speaking of the forwards, Manchester United as well, you just, you just touched on Ronaldo there, which I think it was reported he was flying back today to have discussions about, about his future and stuff like that. But even if he does, even if he stays, what have they got? Because like, I quite like Cavani, yeah, he didn't play a lot, but I think he was one of the standouts in their, their forward line. He does, he does graft a lot. But then Rashford needs to have a really good season. He was poor. Well, it may, have you, you missed the rebirth of Anthony Martial? That oh, you, again. Oh, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pre-season caps for nothing. <laughs> Sancho needs a lot better season than he did last season. Again, we spent £70 million or whatever it was on Jane Sancho. I thought he was going to come blow the Premier League out of the water. And I don't necessarily think it's just I think it's his fault that he, that he didn't because he's in a side that's just a complete mess and might not be going through another another transition last season. They need to get the, the most out of him because I think he's probably their best forward. But... They, don't, they just don't seem to gel, do anything. It seems kind of like I know they had Ollie, then they had Ralph Reinrich, which was which I said at the time he had their pants down for for that job because what's he done? He's done nothing in the work. You just said he just done. He just gone. No, no, right. I don't bother with that. Then what now? I suppose Ty Bowen, I what I would say is that they've got a coach who's got a philosophy. We know what Man United are going to be now. We never knew what Ollie Gordon Solskjaer's Man United were. They were a team. They counter attacked a bit, and they were good at coming from behind a little bit. But like. There was no, there was no style of play or, well, or yeah, anything. I think he wanted to be a counter attacking side personally, but that's I, hard I, I just to be the Man United manager. <laughs> I just don't think you can win the league being a counter attacking side. What, we know what we know what is going to be pressing. They want, we know what they, we saw it a little bit in the preseason game against us. They've been what they've been working on, and it looked like they had a semblance of a plan and shape, which was the last three years Man- Manchester United just haven't had. Combined with the talented players they do have, and they have got a, a bit of talent. That's what there's every chance that they're back. In, I mean, they're not going to win the league. They're not going to need to win the league. But again, third and fourth isn't out of the question for Manchester United. If, if again, if, if, if they that make goes the signings well, that they need to make, of course they can get top four. And I think I think Ten Hag will be a good manager for them. To be honest with you, I think what he's decided already is I've seen how bad this club's been run, and it's going to be on my head if I fail, not on anybody else's. Yeah. And that's actually from a manager's point of view, that's admirable. From a United point of view, you've essentially had the manager come in and sack his boss, yeah. which is really, <laughs> right. really strange yeah, and yeah. backwards for, for for Manchester United. That's a good point, yeah. Um so but for him, he had to do it that way because he doesn't trust what's gone before. Because he's walked into the club and gone, fucking hell lads. He's the guy walking into the room on? with the pizza is that meme is oh, oh Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. yeah, I need no, it's got to be my way because we've got to do I if I'm gonna fail, it's on my head and my shoulders. Yeah. So he's gonna but it's gonna take time. And have they got the time to do it? And it, and it, this is the point. Where's the where's the continuity after Ten Hag? You know, because it might be that we see in three years' time. You are judged at Manchester United by winning the league title. And I don't see them anywhere near winning the league title in the next three to four years. Well, Klopp and Guardiola are in this league. Manchester United won't win it. So is Ten Hag going to outstay them? 
That's the question. Will they have the patience for that? I doubt it because they've not shown they can do that. Yeah, that's a sad state of affairs when you have to hang on to your job long enough for those two to go. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Then that is. This do you see anyone podcast. else in the league while those two are in it? No. Not right now. I mean, players get old and we'll see hardy replacements. But as it stands, the next five champions are going to be between Manchester City and Liverpool. And the majority are probably going to be City. If, if Super Bowl, then we might have to sneak one or two. We'll see how it pans out. But depends on Newcastle recruit. I don't know. Maybe in five, six years' time, maybe. But yeah, I, I still can't yeah, say. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, I think you're right in saying that. Right, then that is this week's podcast. If you want more Red Men goodness in your lives, Red Men Plus, we are about to record Podcast Extra. Uh, Hear some tales about the footy tournament that we played in at the weekend. That's why I played in. And basically, it's going to be three dads complaining about how old and sore we get in from various physical activities, which is always fun. We're going to be talking about our two... If, we, if a genie could give us two items, that's on the, what we'd need to take from said genie. We've got some pretty What's rude... Find us in a minute. You've got, we've got some pretty rude questions as well that we're not allowed to about on YouTube. That oh. Liam Bento asked for a few questions that even we won't discuss on the internet. But, 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 well for free because like sponsors might jip us off and all that kind of stuff but uh, guys thanks very much really good chat of, um, getting ready for this <laughs> you've just seen the questions yeah <laughs> Ross has just seen them enjoy thanks all you guys having experience wa- both of them Chris is off see you later okay there we go I'll do, I'll do the outro without him thanks Chris right, thanks all you guys for watching and all listening to the Red Men podcast we'll be back next week with a new one keep an eye out on the channel this week as we build up to the new season we've got watch along we've got everything for you covered here so yeah do check us out on all of those shows and I'll see you later ta-da Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that show. If you want even more Liverpool podcasts in your lives, do check out Red Men Plus. From as little as £5 a month, you can get tons and tons and tons of Liverpool content in podcast form. So yeah, go over to redmenplus.com, check out our amazing content. I'm sure you are going to love it. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.